Hard Place, a novel by R.A. Jacobson. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Chapter 17, Jacob Drinks Tea. Down 89, across 11, and 10 minutes further, Jacob rode into Accord, the closest community to the farm. He rumbled over the crossing and turned onto Main Street that paralleled the tracks and marked the southern edge of the village for four blocks. Every corner held memories for Jacob. This was his hometown. This is where many good stories began and where many bad stories ended. He remembered the old wooden sidewalk, the single drugstore that sold comics, and the restaurant where he first tasted an orange float and lost his mind. A block north was the cinema where he and his pa watched Steve McQueen tear through the city streets with his 68 Mustang. The town had shriveled. Concrete replaced the wooden sidewalks and the drugstore had long ago closed, boarded up with gray weathered planks. The theater was gone, torn down the year Jacob had attempted college for the second time. The restaurant was still there, run by a young couple who had some big city ideas about what to serve and how much to price food. They weren't doing too well. Jacob hadn't heard of anyone going there a second time. It was here at Accord where he had heard about the judge. Jacob was sure his friends were pulling his leg. A prank, sure, sure. Walk to the crossroads south of 11 on 89 and wait till midnight. A man will show up in a fancy black car and you can make a deal for anything you want, anything. All you had to do was sign this piece of paper and it's yours. Jacob would not fall for it, but as he listened to some of the older kids, the ones who claimed to have made the deal, he thought it might be on the up and up, and he had a powerful need. Maybe, just maybe, this might work. After all, what did he have to lose? There was bitterness in Jacob's smile as he rolled up in front of the pretty house, painted a light green and white at the edge of town. A neat lawn, meticulously trimmed bushes, and carefully pruned trees made it look precious, a fairy tale cottage. The ants were always home and ready to help. Someone would come to them with a problem or in need of a bit of guidance, and afterwards the lawn would get mowed, a door would get fixed, or a roof mended. Whatever needed doing would get done. This is how the ants got paid for their service, if you could call it that. Jacob leaned the bike over on its stand and walked up the pathway to the door. Mary was there waiting for him, holding the door open. He loved these three old ladies who lived together, knitting and giving advice. The fact they were all named Mary was damn confusing. He had never gotten used to it. They claimed they could see the future in their knitting. Jacob had relied on them several times in the past. In return, he had picked up groceries for them, and once they had asked for a jar of his shine. Events had always transpired just as they had read in their knitting. He had never heard of them getting something wrong. Then again, it was hard to be sure. Most people were reluctant to admit going to see them. Mary, how are you? Jacob said, removing his cap. Jacob, how nice to see you. Come in, come in. We were expecting you. Actually, Mary was just saying she thought you were a bit late. Mary stepped back, letting Jacob pass into the house. Inside, the fairy tale feel continued. Every surface had a white doily with a tiny potted plant or a little porcelain chutkey. Jacob walked down the narrow hall, 
turning sideways to avoid brushing the walls with his shoulders, knocking anything off as he had in the past. In the dainty living room, two women sat on a flowery couch knitting. Good afternoon, Jacob. Thank you for coming to see us. Smiling, Mary put her knitting down in her lap. He pulled his leather jacket off and stood it on the floor beside him as he sat cautiously on a tiny chintz chair. Mary was quite worried. She thought you should have come to us much sooner. I wasn't worried, Mary. I just thought Jacob was a bit smarter is all. But I suppose Red has her charms. Jacob frowned. Is there something on your mind? Something you have come to ask? Yes, let us knit for you. It's all here in the wool. We will see, Mary said as she held up her needles. Here, Jacob, have some tea. Jacob accepted the tea. He had never liked tea. It tasted like watered-down mud. He said thanks and sat with the delicate cup balanced on a small plate. The three women began to knit, chatted about neighbors and the town talk. An hour later, Jacob stood. He needed to piss. The strain of holding him so tight, trying to be smaller than he was, had tired him. His patience was nearly gone. He had reached down and picked up his jacket. The heavy sleeve brushed the cup and saucer and knocking them to the carpet, spilling the rest of his tea. The three Marys busied themselves, telling him not to worry. It was expected. He nodded and left the tiny room. At the door, Mary caught his arm. We saw something, but it isn't clear yet. Let us finish our knitting and we'll know more. Thank you, and thank you for the tea. Thank Mary and Mary for the help as well. Our pleasure, dear. Mary glanced at the street and saw his bike sitting there. Oh, why aren't you driving Clyde? There was worry in Mary's eyes when she looked at Jacob. You really should take Clyde, you know, especially these days. Red is right. There is something in the air, and Clyde can guide you. Jacob grunted, and Mary continued. Clyde is more important than you think. Jacob, don't forget, he is part of this, part of your deal. I haven't forgotten, Jacob mumbled back as he walked to his bike. A minute later, he rode out of town, heading back to the farm. They're right, you know. These are strange times. There's something shiny and hard. It's connected to Billy's death and the skin's being back. But I can't see it clearly, Clyde's voice spoke in Jacob's head. How the hell do they know what Red said? Jacob asked. Well, anyone with sight knows about your visit with Red. Shit, really? Ugh, after all these years, I still can't get used to the whole other world or seeing through your windshield. You know, it's there whether you can see it or not. It's the world beneath the world, Clyde said. I know, I just don't fucking like seeing it. When are you ever going to get over it and forgive me? Never will. I know it's your nature. She didn't deserve what she got. All she ever wanted was to be on stage and sing. And she never got a chance. Never got to leave the shithole. Never even got to see the city or a stage. Any stage. You know, I can't fight my nature. It's part of our contract. I'm bound by it, same as you. That's why it's called a contract. So what's going on now? Why the hell are skins walking around again? And how can our contract be ending? <laughs>
Dono. I can see the skins, but something is different. They're not the same as before, Clyde said. What the hell? There are different kinds of skins? Looks like it. And there's a couple of suits coming. I can't see how far off. Won't be soon, but they're coming. Suits, eh? Well, that's something. Maybe they can straighten this shit out. I don't know, Clyde said. Like I said, it's all feeling weird. The suits kind of look different, too. Miles away, on a lonely back road, a shiny black 1936 Ford Coupe kicks up dust as it rolls down the road. Inside, two men in broad hats smile as black flies drop around them, littering the dash and floor. Tune in next Tuesday for Chapter 18, Black and White Dog. Stories from a Hard Place is a narrative podcast. Every Tuesday and every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another chapter from a hard place, read by the author. Opening music by Noah Zachron. Production copyright R.A. Jacobson 2021. If you'd like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hard place. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Deadcat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Keep the shiny side up. <laughs> <laughs>